everybody, and welcome to Documentation Not Included, a tech industry podcast presented by DNI Stream, the live knowledge repository for software professionals. I figured if I went a little slower today, I'd get it. Yay! It's Thursday, 7 p.m. British time. We're live on twitch.tv slash DNI Stream. I'm Josie Howarth, and as always, I am joined by the man who pretty much brings a smile to my face every time that I see him, Chris Seabach. Hello, Josie, and hello to everybody in Twitch chat. Uh, as everybody already knows who listens to the show, it is live. You can get involved. Please do ask questions. If you've got any questions for our guest or you've got any comments or suggestions during the show, get involved and uh, and drop them over to us. So before we get going, let us introduce our guest for this week, Shai Resnick. And I've just been informed just during the intro, he just dropped it onto me in the last minute, that I spelt his name incorrectly in the overlay. So I'm really sorry about that, Shai. Um, you now have an opportunity to introduce yourself, tell everybody how your name is properly spelt, and, um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, tell me off for that. And, uh, and, and Okay, so uh, first of all, thanks for that, for the misspelling. Um, <laughs> All my life, I'm walking around with this fear of someone will add a C in my last name. Uh, and, you know, it's not with a C. So thank you. <laughs> now my I'm biggest so fear sorry. is now <laughs> happening in front of my eyes. Anyway, it doesn't matter. My name is Shai and I'm Shai. And uh, I'm a, a software developer and all that stuff. Uh, but I'm my passion, main passion these days is testing and and Angular and combining the two together to create like a giant robot and uh, you know um, help people increase their confidence. Ba basically, that's that's my mission. Uh, I have it on my wall here in my office. It uh, like making developers happy and confident by making testing easy and thorough. So this is my. Uh, I like it. I like it. That's a very good mission. It's not far off what we we our mission statement is we basically this podcast is it it does two things for us. We keep sane you by uh you know by doing streams because we both work at home all the time, regardless of of the whole current situation in the world. Um and secondly, we want to teach other people and we want to get people into development. So that kind of attitude is exactly what we want from our guests. We want people who are open to teaching people and bringing people into our world and making it more accessible. So so thanks for that. Excellent. Awesome. Yay. Yay. So before we go too far, we are going to have our icebreaker question. This is just a random question that is designed to, I guess, show an insight into ourselves as individuals. And wait, I've got wait a... before you do that, oh, yes. I noticed another <laughs> mistake in the overlay. <laughs> okay, so Shai Resnick with the C. Oh, you, uh, you fix it. I'll awesome. fix it, yes. N developer. You need to remove the N. Developer and testing advocate from higher. So I'm not from higher studios. So higher studios is a, like a game development company and they will sue me if I will say that. <laughs> and I'm that's from. very valid. We need to change that immediately. Then I shall do. Yeah. yeah so hires.io or testangular.com. This is like uh, probably testangular.com. Uh, it's the same. It's okay. I consolidate it into one thing. Uh, and yeah, so that's, sorry, now continue no, with the question. No, that's, that, that's a, hey, these are things that we have to cover. And <laughs> hey, we wouldn't be able to do a live show without at least one or two, maybe five technical difficulties. That is life. But yes, we have our icebreaker question. The entire point of this is to just 
share fun right. stuff. So I've got a good one for you. Has to do with Wi-Fi today. What is one of the neatest Wi-Fi connecting router names you have ever run across in all of your travels? Anything that has you have ever seen that has just made you stop and go, wow, that's actually really smart or silly, or it made you just laugh? Hmm. Uh, guests on I, 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 I've got a few. Okay, so I, I, I don't remember like one that I saw. Usually it's like... Uh... You know, free Wi-Fi and stuff like that. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I I saw a, a, an image, uh, I think yesterday, uh, of a, like a meme or something like that. That like a, fr a free Wi. Um, so the password was like um, in a coffee shop, and the password like uh, buy something or leave. Uh, this was the <laughs> this was the interesting marketing strategy for yeah. the coffee yeah. shop, Chris. Uh, well, I unfortunately. For this particular question, I don't really connect to other people's Wi-Fi. I I've got I either use my phone, my you know my internet connectivity on my phone, or I don't connect to Wi-Fi. I don't really trust public Wi-Fi for most of the things that I do. However, my Wi-Fi is called heaven because all of my computers and all of my devices in my uh, in my house are either named after deities across the whole spectrum of uh, of the religious kind of world Atheons. yes I, I i am um atheist myself but beside the beside the point i call my computers <laughs> this the reason behind that is because my very very first computer when i got it was a pentium 2 400 dual dual core and it was god at the time so i called my very first mm. computer god and it just went from there i've got zeus i've got um i've even got made up deities as well from from computer games like final fantasy 7 and things like that so um yeah so nice. heaven heaven is the best uh Best route we'll today, I in, in my particular case, uh, frequent listeners of the show know that I'm very much so into the security world. So for me, wa like walking around, like sort of not necessarily eavesdropping or war driving, so to speak, but like listening and passing by all of the different SSIDs and things just to see what happens to be out there. I think one of the best that I've run across is totally legit Wi-Fi that is free, I promise. <laughs> I've seen and something I, like that before as well, yeah. <laughs> and I, I have to say, it just makes me smile. But I also saw um, a, an image as well, because love Reddit. You know, it's the greatest place to find things like this. But it was a, a house. Like, someone was in an apartment building, and two neighbors that were near each other were having conversations through their SSIDs. And things like, your music is really loud. Do you really like Mariah Carey? Why are you listening to K-pop? Like this whole conversation happening through SSIDs. It's like nice. I wish I could communicate with my neighbor that way, but there's no way that next door actually connect to the internet. He's, he's just doesn't look like the type who's who's on the internet. Uh, oh wow! Anyway, so yeah. after after that, our um, uh, today's show has a very imaginative title: Angular testing. It says exactly what it it, it does on the tin. Um, and so we're just going to start with a very simple question. Shy, why is code testing so awesome? And if that's like, not a loaded question, ooh. <laughs> I don't ooh. know what it is. Let's just ask the really easy questions yeah, to start. Yeah, let's start right? with the easy stuff. Let's start with the easy stuff. Um, well, I have, I, have, I have thought about this question a lot. And, you know, my answer um, uh, is that we are all... Like every software developer is also a tester. Like even if you are, uh, if you mean 
to uh, to do it or if you meant to do testing or not you are a, a software tester because like let's take a client side developer for example okay you write something and then what do you do to test it to check it you test it in the browser you know manually you refresh the page or you have like the auto refresh and you see the result and you compare it with what you expect and that's a test okay mm -hmm. so the first and like this is testing okay so it's called manual testing and what we're talking about today is automate automated testing so well, what's the well, benefit the thing is the tests run automatically but they're not automated because the developers still have to write them right so uh that, that's, that's <laughs> so right we're still we're still not in 2040 yet no but uh yeah so Even you if have someone could produce it i wouldn't trust ai to write my tests for me yeah, yeah a lot of uh cat images mm. yeah uh so the so the, the point of automated tests is like the yeah automate like the it runs automatically and reruns all the tests that you've written. So instead of manually going and checking your like the result uh, and the expected uh, result, you just write it in code and then the test runner runs it for you. So this alone saves you days and months of aggregated time <laughs> over years, you know. Uh, and that's, that alone is the benefit, like the first benefit that I see to it, like saves you the time. But it also, you know, us humans have a short amount of uh, stuff we can uh, keep in our RAM memory, right? Mm -hmm. So <laughs> we, we, you know, we, we test some feature and everything is okay and we move on to the next feature and then we probably forget. broke, you know, yeah, forget about something. We probably broke something else and we won't ever, I never saw a person like a developer who went back and, te and manually tested the entire enterprise application okay mm -hmm. by hand so they that's can't, why they the can't second... do regret this is what we, we're getting into a regression testing area here you yeah. can't test everything as a developer we're only human and we also forget what we've written we yeah. you just touched on that we uh, even the, the one of the clients i'm working with at the moment they do not do any kind of testing they want me to start looking at what they think is the best type of testing for their software, which is integration testing only. Mm. We both know that that is not true. You and I, yeah. Shai, um, and maybe Josie to some extent, know that integration testing is it's needed and it's necessary in some situations, but it is not the best, the best way to do testing when it comes to code because it doesn't cover the smaller, more granular uh, cases and it doesn't lend itself very well to test-driven development and dependency injection, which we're going to get onto in a minute. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I think for for me, the reason that for, as a developer, the reason that code testing is so awesome for me is that it allows me to, as you just said, move on to different projects, move into different workflows, and then come back and then run a set of tests and confirm that what I previously thought was true or asserted is still true now. Mm. And then when I implement new code that's got its own set of tests and I put that code in with the other code that I've uh, that I've written and written tests for, I can assert that the new code hasn't broken the old code 
and this yeah. is kind of a regression test, not a full regression test, but it, it yeah. implements. A, a metaphor I had for it is like you have, you signed a contract and you have a legal team in your company that whenever you, you know, break that contract, they like shout at you, what are you doing? We have a contract. You need to follow the contract. So that's uh, like the analogy of uh, mm. of the test runner. And, and you pointed out like the integrated testing and, um versus so so integrated testing is like testing a bunch of stuff together like a bunch of classes you know maybe you know it, the boundary is not clear so it, it's like either end-to-end test without like faking anything and testing the entire thing and it has its uh, benefits and it has its uh, downsides and the opposite uh thing is to isolate your like classes or functions or whatever, and test them in isolation by faking all of their dependencies. And that's another benefit like that I see for this type of testing when I do my tests, when I write my tests or develop uh, uh, my features, is that I can focus on a very simple and small uh, unit of code and just verify like think about a method or a function and just focus on that. And like, it's like zoom focus only on that and zoom out or like, you know, uh, clear out all the other noise and just make sure that this task and this thing works. And I don't need to power up Chrome or whatever server or, you know, all the shenanigans just to test the simple function. <laughs> and I don't need to it's... create a database with all the tables and create a file <laughs> exactly, system. Sometimes yeah. you might want to walk, mock a file, even just things like saving a file to a disk. You can mock up that there is a potential for when you you do write code like that. Um, so let's say, for example, I know we're talking about Angular uh, in a little bit, more specifics around Angular. But say, for example, I'm writing a PowerShell script that copies something from one place and puts it in another place. To me, the, the thing that I need to test there is that the copy function works or there might be, there might be something I do in between the copy, a, a transform of some description. What I'm actually testing is the stuff that happens between the two file systems. So I don't want to have to rely on the file systems working. And that's what a unit test, that, that's where it shines because I can mock up the file system on both sides and I can, make, by mocking what we say, what we mean is that we, we make it, we make the dependency do exactly what we want it to do. We you basically fake it. Yeah, you fake what it, what's what's going to happen. So you expect it to return true, or you expect it to return yes. I have written to the file system, or whatever, a zero or one, whatever. You you return that back to your function, and then your unit test can focus on the unit of code that you're actually writing, and that's exactly that's the value of the more granular that's, I testing. Think a key thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's giving, I mean, building on what Shai was saying about focus, I mean, I, I when I first started out uh, in development, I was in C and things like that. So this is sort of back in the day. I used to get completely overwhelmed by absolutely everything, all the different components and how everything was supposed to build on top of each other. And of course, back in that day, you know, commenting and things was documentation wasn't really stressed in my educational life, which is one of the reasons why we're called documentation not included. But by having tests and by actually writing tests, I find that I can, with the focus, actually prevent myself from going overboard as well. 
Yeah. Because well. back in the day when I first started learning about how to do classes and how to instantiate and then build on everything that goes with it, I used to put way too much in. So my concept was less about um, breaking everything down into manageable parts, but just shove everything into one file. And that's the program. And that doesn't that, work. Well. That's called so a God method or a God class. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I learned the hard way. That is not the way to go. Lots of software. But... Lots of software has that in it. And the best, the better way to write software these days is to make it more modular, modular and doing proper unit testing, dependency injection, inversion of control, um, mocking, uh, that kind of thing. That it doesn't force you, but it encourages you as a developer to be more exactly. concise, more terse when you write code, yeah. and be better Absolutely. at programming and be. I I did an example on live stream the other day where I took one of my friends, uh, he wrote, he, he wrote a, a node bot, uh, a chat bot, and I took one of my friend's um, huge classes that did everything. It connected to Discord, it connected to um, God itself, you know, it did absolutely everything. Heaven. Yeah. And, heaven. and it, you know, and it, it, copied, it copied heaven into hell. It was ridiculous. It, it did everything. And fair enough, the application has become... Uh, a very overly architected application for what it is, but I've got bigger plans for it, so it makes sense. But everything is much smaller now. Everything's got a test written against it, and each method is very self-explanatory. So when I do want to do this copy from one place to another, or I want to just connect to Discord, that's three lines of code. I might have five tests for it, but I've got three lines of code that just connects to Discord, returns a connection, and that's it. And and exactly, you have, you have also, Josie, the... Uh... To your point, you have also the doc documentation written mm. for it. So live documentation for your code, which changes with the code. That. Funny you say that because uh, Jodaba in chat just said my favorite thing about TDD is the self-documentation and the way of seeing if I bork something. Now, bork <laughs> is a technical term a technical and is term. one, you know, it's yeah. a very important technical term. It's from Seinfeld, no? I don't remember. But yeah, oh, it's been around for longer than that, I think. But yeah, it's uh, something we use a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely but yeah it, it is that whole self-documentation process and in fact it's actually led me to start questioning how to do documentation nowadays but that's a topic for another show it is so, indeed sliding back in go ahead chris so we talked about the benefits we talked about uh kind of what or how awesome test driven we, we but we can tell i mean i when i talk about test driven development or unit tests i get excited because i want every developer in the world to understand their value I want to. I want mm -hmm. them to understand the value, not just for themselves and the way that it improves them as a developer and improves their code and improves the maintenance and all the other benefits, but also for everybody else that they work with. If everybody is work, if you're working in a, a team that doesn't matter how big it is, but if you're working in a team and you all have tests, instead of somebody looking at your code and going, "God, this method's three hundred lines long." and it does everything, and there's no tests, and I don't know, I'm going to have to F5 every, you know, all the way through every single line to figure out where it's broken. But I, although if, other than that, I can actually pinpoint... F5, you mean break, right? Uh, well, F5 is step... Yeah, F5 is step through in certain IDEs, F8, F10, whatever, through. you know. Yeah, okay. Um, Just making that clear for... It, it, it's, different. It's, it's different for each uh, IDE. Yeah, mine is use, F8, and F8 is the best. Not F8 is the best, obviously, okay. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> there you but so. the fact is, is that I don't need to. With tests... <laughs> there you go, debate begins. I can run the individual test that 
has broken, if it's broken. If it hasn't broken, I can figure out where it is and I can just fix one part of the code and that shouldn't break other parts because I've asserted that that method returns the right thing. If the tests are wrong, then that's a different matter and that means that you've written the test wrong in the first place um, or the assumptions have changed over time and the tests haven't been kept up to, up to date. But that's a discipline thing more than anything. Yeah. Um, so you talk, I remember earlier on, you said that it's a time saver. I, yeah. I agree overall, over the long term, um, over an entire project, I absolutely agree. In fact, not just an entire project, a life cycle of a product. Testing is a time saver. But for people who have never written tests before, what all they see especially developers that have never, ever seen a unit test or care about it. Especially project managers. And stuff. project managers and business yes. analysts and business owners and even mm -hmm. even technical <laughs> business owners that actually might write code themselves. Um, mm -hmm. They see the fact that you've got three lines of code and you've got 40 lines of code to test it or even more potentially depending on how complicated those three lines of code and what they're doing is. Yeah. Yeah. So... I'm going to challenge you to answer why you know. I mean, we've I've just kind of went over, but the 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 overhead of that. What do you how how do you justify that to to the yeah. people who don't understand? That's one of the most recurring questions I always get, um, and so the way I look at it is as follows. Uh, you are going to, like I said, you're going to test your code anyway. And what I see when people ask the, this question, like, uh, the, the, does it justify the the cost of like, you know, the cost is not necessarily writing the test. The cost is learning how to write proper tests in the first mm -hmm. place. And you have all these layers of knowledge that you need to cover, like the syntax and the, you know, the structure and what to do in certain scenarios and what to test and what not to test and, you know, which tools to use and how to like speed up the tools. And you have all this like a, a, a immense amount of knowledge to, to acquire and, and you don't know where to start from. And most of the time, uh, the, the, the reason that I started um, testangular.com and my future plan is to you know uh do it for um testing in general um is to provide a clear way from zero knowledge to like tdd every day getting the benefits yay okay mm -hmm. uh, uh like in a fun way but in a very methodical way of of like building the layers uh, slowly because what i see most of the time is people hear about the benefits, like people are listening now, you know, they hear about the benefits, they want to jump on the testing train and they they open up Google and they search for testing and they see two terms, unit and integration, which I believe are the wrong terms <laughs> to mm -hmm. describe tests because they are like, again, over the years I discovered there are like three testing um dimensions that that i see that we can divide test into and unit and integrations live in two different dimension uh i can expand on that uh, later if you want um so you have you have 
you are Googling it, you go into uh, a blog post that tells you, oh, you should write only integration tests, like you said before, or you should write a unit test. And then you write unit tests and something breaks and your unit test is passing, but something still breaks in your app. And, and then you get into this mess of like testing stuff. You don't have to mess and your tests break a lot. And you go uh, and, and you find yourself spending time maintaining stuff you don't really understand like why you wrote this way, but you just saw it in some blog mm. and now you need to maintain it and it costs more. So people start, I, I see the cycle. They start after two months or so. They say, okay, we try testing. It doesn't work. Let's like um, do like disable all the tests and go back to our uh, <laughs> comment them all pan- out. Uh, panic oh, mode. Oh, or, right? or my favorite one, make certain that everything passes in ah, the test yeah, of course. and then push that to the you know the version yeah. control and you know you go through the actual pipeline and I, every oh man when i see that it, it something inside me dies a little yeah i think just, I, I i have a, a similar scenario quite often because i do contract work quite a lot for my clients and i will not write code um even under my client's request without tests because I know how valuable it is for my process. Mm. I, I, If someone asks me to deliver a piece of software or even a library or, or a API or something, and it, I don't feel like I've tested it, I cannot validate uh, and give them the value that I've, I've written a quality product because I know how valuable testing is. So, yeah. Th- it's, it's, so how... how- yeah, yeah, it doesn't I, matter. I, I mean, totally I, agree, I, I just say no to a contract if people say, <laughs> "I've got the beauty of I, doing I that." Think, I, I think one of the more difficult things to try to quote unquote justify, going back to your 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 question there, Chris, um, the justification of testing period um, tends to be lost when there is no tangible sort of feel to it like if i sit there and i develop code and all of a sudden there's a button that bounces around while your mouse tries to chase it that is it's for lack of a better term a tangible result that can be seen by being counted you 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 can have tangible um like you know goals to to or like um kpis you track Mm -hmm. Uh, key performance indicators um, to those of you who are not marketers. Uh, <laughs> so, so the, the 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 thing you can track is um, the amount of bug, unexpected bugs you have in each sprint. So you plan your sprint, and then you have all of a sudden you have a call. Oh, uh, production is down, or something is wrong in this feature, and you need to stop everything and go and fix that. You can track this stuff, and. The, the thing is, and you need to be realistic, when you introduce testing, you, all, you need to take it slow at the beginning and to introduce it only into like the easiest parts because you have so much information to learn. You need to divide it. So, for, for example, in Angular, uh, the, most, the easiest part like to test is a service uh, and even a pure service without uh, any dependencies. So I always suggest start with that and just learn like the the like I told you the syntax and the structure and all that stuff on only on services on pure services for like the first sprint, okay? You know what? And after that, add, 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 your add TDD. Well, <laughs> exactly. Our, uh, our and after, DNI after website, a while, our DNI website 
only has tests for the services because that's one of the first places that I started looking at Angular testing. Um, mm. And I did it exactly like you said because I realized that that the services are the simplest things to mock and to to um, to work with because they're more concise. Components yeah. and front-end stuff is a lot more uh, complicated, which we were going to get into later. Yeah, and uh, so so what you can do is to to say, okay, we're going to add testing. Uh, our hypothesis is it's going to, if you need to track what you currently have, like the bug rate, you currently have like the unexpected bug rate, let's say, the time developer wastes on unexpected bugs. And let's say you have like out of the two-week sprint, you have uh, four days, you know, which is a lot. Uh, that is going into fixing unexpected things. So your hypothesis is you say that, okay, we're going to invest, um, no, let's say uh, uh, not everyone on the team. Like let's say, let's uh, take, uh, uh, let's say, uh, take Chris and, and Josie and have them learn about us and, and, and implement them and introduce it to the team. And it will take them, I don't know, like uh, one month of uh, learning and experiencing like over a period of, I don't know, five months. Okay. One month of it will, will go for like adding tests or learning about it and stuff like that and practicing. And then after, uh, after that period of time, then we start tracking, you know, the, like the improvement, uh, um, levels and after let's say eight months where our hypothesis is that we'll reduce it into one day you know because you you won't cover especially if you have already like a big software you won't cover everything but you start with the critical thing things first you know and you cover that with us and then you can prove that this effort was uh, successful but i personally i <laughs> never seen anyone track like the unexpected bug rate and stuff like that. And they just, it's a gut feeling for most of people. If you can convince, if you're a good salesman or a woman, you can uh, convince, you know, your manager <laughs> that we need to add tests. That there are no that tests. That the, if you, I think a lot of the time, if you're good, a good salesperson, you can convince people that you don't have any bugs either in your software. I've had clients <laughs> tell me that there are no bugs. It's a feature. Yeah, I, I have had feature, clients... Yeah very recently tell me that there are wow. very they very have very very few bugs in their software good and, for them and is that because they actually have good testing or is that because they don't have they a don't have people to report this particular client has zero testing they do have people to report them and i have seen the bugs that get reported there is plenty of bugs they just mm. do not consider they don't monitor them as shy said they do not um, they do not mm. uh, produce metrics of any sort or really monitor how long. I, th I think someone at the business is actually trying to do that and trying to move that forward. Um, and I was kind of brought on to help them get to that situation. Um, but yeah, yeah. They, they don't um, perform any kind of uh, metrics or, or reporting for it. Because if you think about it, most of the time developers who are used to a certain way of developing stuff, you fall back on what you know best. And what you know best is developing the feature and ship the, the thing. And and you might, and you denial, you you get, you, you you know, give your future self more headache, okay? But it's it's not you, it's your future self. Mm -hmm. So you don't care. Uh, so you will deal with the bugs when they will, will arise. 
Uh, and that's what most of the people I feel doing. And when you start learning about testing, you say, ah, it's too complicated. Let me go back because I have a deadline, you know, in two days, I need to deliver this feature. I need to, to stop. So and if you're unrealistic about adding tests, about like the time you need to add, most of the people add like two days of testing in the end of the sprint. Nobody mm-hmm. ever gets to these two days. That's where TDD comes into play. And we'll, we'll talk about it. But that's uh, falling back on the habits of what you're used to is what, what I, I, I speak about. So I have a, like a free workshop that I teach about like, you know, more principles and like meta stuff. And one of, one of the, the things is developing the habit. Like, how do you develop a habit of changing the way you are used to writing tests um, mm. and, and, and switching it to, into a TDD flow? So TDD is test-driven development, is when you actually write the test before you write the code. And anyone who never written a test in their life, it sounds very scary. And okay. madness. And it sounds absolutely madness. Yeah, and and I agree. And it's completely illogical because you write failing tests to start. Exactly. Like, but what? But it makes perfect sense. And 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 it and takes the, a while to get to that mindset if you've yeah, never yeah. experienced it. Yes, yes. And and I I was afraid as well when I first heard it. Uh, I heard about it. I think it was uh, 2008 or nine, something like that. And I was like, what? Nah. Well, well, what is that? And and then when I started, I I first I and even till this day, one of my strategies is when I don't know how to do stuff, I don't start with a complicated thing. I start with the easiest thing. So when you start testing your code, start don't start with TDD right away. First of all, again, it's layers. So develop the the you know master the first layer, which is the syntax and then the tools and then the structure and only when you know how to test certain parts we test after you written the feature then you can start with like you know saying to yourself okay for this sprint i will take two methods and i will write a test first for them because i already know the syntax i already know how to test i already can anticipate what needs to be done it will take me longer at first to like wrap my head around it, but then I slowly develop the habit. Now these days, when I need, when I have like new API that I need to, you know, uh, uh, get, uh, get familiar with, I never write in TDD. Uh, I know people who do that, but I personally, I still stuck with the mindset, like the habit of first, let me understand the API, understand the new like language or framework or a library or something like that. Just play with it without tests. And once I get it, now I can switch to writing the test because I already have the API in my head, that's you know, familiar and stuff like that's that. That's exactly what I do. For example, I just put, picked up a, um, for the bot that I'm writing for Discord, I am adding Twitch support to it. So I looked around and I had a look at a few Node.js Twitch APIs. I figured the one that I wanted to use because of the features that were available. And now I'm writing the implementation in the classes, which are all ready for test-driven development, that all of the dependencies are being injected, as I would expect them to be. I'm making the methods work. I'm half 
test-driven development, but I'm not actually writing any tests yet. I'm thinking about how I need to write the tests, but I'm learning the API, figuring out how it works, getting it fully working, and then I don't know if you do this, Shy, but once I get it fully working, I will comment everything out within the method, and then I will write my tests, and then I will either uncomment things out, or I will mm. refactor and rewrite them as I need to for the mm. methods, and then I'll remove them into different methods, etc. I don't know if you do that or Interesting. not. I, I sometimes I do it. I don't do it like in a methodical way like that, like comment everything out. Sometimes I will do it for like a few lines or something like that. Some I, I use it, uh, you know, um, uh, to the listeners. So you have uh, tools like code coverage tools that shows you which lines you actually, you know, pass through. It doesn't mean that you tested all the scenarios there, but it just means that you didn't skip this line, okay, in, in your test. So it's like a kind of like a, a first safety net just to to know that I cover like I touch that mm -hmm. place and then I I I I go like I do it for like more complicated lines but that's interesting I will try to incorporate it next time uh when I do like uh, when I uh you know learn a new API and 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 we'll try it and I will let you know how it goes so thanks for the tip it's actually something I've learned from Chris because we've done live streams because we try to do as much development as we can on a live stream for the stuff that we do for documentation, not included, because it's it's not our day job. You know, this mm -hmm. is love of what we do and wanting to share, teach and educate. And when he started doing the TDD, it was interesting to watch because he does do this sort of blanket Reslate, and it's it makes me think of a little bit of what um, Jadaba has also added here about how the red green refactor cycle is super weird for a lot of people, and it's hard to get them over that hump. And the thing is, that is basically what you kind of do, Chris. Like you, yep. you want to make certain you understand almost how to interact with the API, but then it's like, okay, now I have what I need to do, but I need to do my red, then do my green, and then refactor. So I, I tend to architect the classes and the interfaces and the everything that needs to be put in place, the bare bones of the application. I'll tend to architect that first. Then if I need to learn something new, such as a new API, as we said, I will write that in raw code. Sometimes I'll even write it in a different class or write it in a different, you know, get it working and, and play around with it in its own file or something to figure it out. Then I will start, I'll get that code working. And then, as I said, everything, it's like I could delete it all and then restart, but I like to comment it just so I can see, you know, what I've done. But most of the time it doesn't you look like what I've actually written me. because I'm I'm being more concise with my code. I'm not prototyping anymore. So I rewrite things as I should and my code ends up being very terse, very concise and very easy to follow as well. Uh, you know, that's that's another another safety net that you have like when when you have the green like all the tests are passing and you get to a stage so uh, I did a survey uh, with my uh, students and clients and and of what are the most like the the two uh, uh, I don't know highest uh, um, benefits to uh, for in your opinion to to testing and the the first place was confidence like get, getting the confidence that I didn't break anything that when I pushed to production and the second one was 
code quality. So, and for me, it's number one. Okay. Code quality uh, code is number quality. one for me as well. Yeah. And, but, but for most of the people, it was like the confidence, which I get, uh, because this is the, the, the tangible benefit that you mm-hmm. can show, you know, to the business people. Um, the business, I imagine people <laughs> in suits in dark places. Anyway, so, uh, but, but the code quality, having the feeling, and I don't know if I can like, you know, deliver the feeling over like, you know, all audio to the podcast or video, but the feeling of now have this kind of messy code that I just like creating real quick just to make the test pass. And now the test is passing and I can like, I have, okay, I have time now to clear out things and move things you know, to, you know, the you know OCD I, kicks in and it's just the greatest feeling in the world to clean up the code. So Do you know what I really enjoy? I enjoy old tests or tests that I've written, you know, three or four tests ago failing. I love it when that happens because this sounds re- this is really sad. But I, I thought love- you were going to say cigars. Okay, so <laughs> no, there. used to okay. not anymore. Um, yeah, I, I, whenever whenever I see an old test pa- uh, fail, then usually if I don't expect it, then to me that's uh, if I don't expect it to fail because usually I know which tests are going to fail whenever I write a new test. Um, or yeah. I change something in the, the the code flow or something because I'm again I'm I'm very experienced. But if if it pass if it pass if it fails and I don't know why, to me that says, oh I've done something wrong and I'm going to learn something here. I'm going to figure something new out yes. that I really I really didn't know or there's an assumption that I've made that I've I've written incorrectly. Either I've written the test wrong or maybe my control flow is wrong. And I learn from that process as I go along. But sometimes I also. I, the- also that's the confidence part right mm. you have like this this test you written like three months ago and 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 it fails and all of a sudden you go yes i just saved my future self from uh, waking <laughs> up in 3 a.m and going to the server and fixing like in production you know the I, code i actually like specifically that. meant a, a test that i might have written just a few minutes ago but in that instance yeah when i come back to code and something fails then mm, yeah usually yeah. it's because i'm a bit rusty on that code base and i need to i've forgotten what i've done or i've, I've actually maybe come back into it and went i'll tell you what i'll just change that variable over to this or whatever <laughs> and i've not followed my yeah. own rules you know and i should have written the yeah. test well, and then that reminds that's... me that i've done it wrong you know the ci has failed for some reason the builds have failed and yeah. you know that's what they're there for well coding standards change over time i mean i remember back in the day when tab was the secret to success and nowadays there's the, the you know the communication of spaces or tab camel case the, the t- tabs camel do not case. exist anymore you know tabs do not exist <laughs> <laughs> my, my point is, though, things change over time. And anything that you work on that is going to have a life cycle, which is pretty much every single piece of software ever, having those tests and having them fail means you will learn. But also, because you can tell I'm sort of slowly bringing things to an end, at least for this particular topic. But the confidence, I think, is important because a lot of people don't feel that they're good coders. I know maybe one or two people on the back of my hand who feel like they know how to code, even though they've had 20 or 30 years <laughs> in coding. Yeah, the so imposter I, I, syndrome. It is the imposter syndrome. And honestly, I think we should just, everyone just accept we all have imposter syndrome. Yeah. Um, but also, the my thought is completely lost because I just had a notification. So you have the, con- <laughs> you have the confidence, you have the confidence in your, like coding ability and you have the confidence in not breaking production. So these are two types of confidence 
which uh, which you get with testing. That's basically yes. our, our sales message here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so testing, yay, nay. Yay. Yay, absolutely yay. Uh, if you don't test, you're doing it wrong. There you go. I'm yeah. going to go out on a limb and say that. <laughs> wow, that is such a controversial stance to take, Chris. I don't know. It's a hard stance because I, I, I'm quite open to multiple, you know, look, I'm quite open to most things. But I've come to the opinion these days that if you do not test, then you are doing yourself harm. You are doing your software harm and you are doing yeah. your business harm. If you do not write at least a certain level of unit tests and you're not structuring your software in that way, then you are asking for trouble in the future you're asking for future you you're and future at. you're actually asking for future developers in your team and future you to look at the code and go i've no idea what that does and i don't want to touch it because it uh, might break and that happens all the time i see that everywhere now if there's a suite of tests yes people might still go i don't know what that does and i don't want to touch it but there's no real excuse because if you give them enough time they can go away and read the tests and run the tests and confirm that things are still working and then write a new test that, do, that 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 passes, then implement it, their test will pass, and previous tests might fail. And they can look at the previous tests and either delete them if they're no longer appropriate, or they can mm. change them and make them work for the new assumption. But then we have to know yeah. that when we do that, if we're not following solid, which if you are following solid, you shouldn't have broken previous tests because uh, you were closed uh, to I will, modification. We've discussed this before in the past, mm. but I'm going to make you say it again. Explain solid. So I, I don't know everything. Wow. I don't know all of the uh, acronyms. <laughs> but one of the one the O in solid is the open close principle, and basically that means that classes are open to addition and closed to modification. That might be a class or a method. So that means that once you've produced something and you sent something out generally you shouldn't really be changing that method it's it's implemented and, and you've written your tests and your assertions if you need to write an api override for example you would write an overridden method to do that you wouldn't add to the existing method and then write additional tests that have branching logic for example i'm not saying you shouldn't do that but generally if you follow solid strictly you wouldn't do that you would write a new method that implements the new piece of logic because it would break any apis or any interactions that it's currently interacting with that doesn't mean i said i don't necessarily agree with that because i do go back and modify tests but tests give you the confidence as we've kept saying that when you break something or because it will inevitably happen as a developer you will break all pieces of code you will have an assumption or a, a, a red, uh, you'll get a test that comes back that fails, that tells you that something has broken and you need to give it an attention, your attention. And you cannot and should not just comment it out, <laughs> comment the test out. You should yeah. learn and understand why it's broken. And that's your job yeah. as a developer. Anyway, rant over. <laughs> <laughs> wow, go ahead, Shai. No, I want. I want to ask if we have time to talk about Angular testing and Dome testing, which are so, two topics that are related. That was what we wanted to talk about today, but unfortunately, we are. We have come to the end of the show, but that does not mean. Actually, this is what, what happens this with this show. Do you know what this means, Shy? This means we're gonna have to have you come back. Mm, okay, no problem. We're just going to have to have you come back. And when you come back, we can literally build on what we've talked about here and explicitly talk about... The open clothes. Yeah, the open clothes principle. Yeah, yeah we, can, we can... We can write oh, some oh, new oh, tests. 
no, we can uh, close this discussion and open for modif- like you know open <laughs> for uh, extension <laughs> in the future. We can follow solid. <laughs> exactly in podcast. Oh, we've got a troll in in chat. We've got a troll in chat, and they've just said can't have failing tests if there are no tests. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Joe Daba, though, has been all about testing this entire time. He has, he has. He's winding us up. He's winding us up. <laughs> okay, so we've reached the point of our show where we get a chance to share something we've learned this week. This is called BYOM, or Bring Your Own Manual. It's our response to our TFM. And in this particular case, it's just some something that you have learned that you think others might find interesting or even perhaps, you know, laugh and commiserate because they've been there before. That's going to be mine today because mine is one of those, oh, yeah, I was being silly. Um, But yes, do you have something that you have learned this week, Chris, that you might want to share with the the class? Uh, Yes, I do. I have actually learned something brand new uh, a couple of days ago. Um, and it's again, it's to do with Git because I've been doing a lot of Git training and I've been reading a lot about the lower level um, aspects and I've been trying to solve what I would refer to as fairly unique problems for one of my clients because of their workflows and because they don't have tests and because they do things that they probably shouldn't be doing in their repo, but they have, they're in that situation and we are moving away from it. Anyway, so if you have a file in a Git repository that you want to ignore and you do not want to push to the repository, Normally, it's a binary file like the bin folder in C-sharp projects or the node modules folder in um, in Angular projects, in NPM-based projects. Um, normally, you would add it to your .gitignore file. You would add mm-hmm. a, a pattern to it or, or the, the full, uh, full string. Yeah. Um, in the instance where you have a file that's been added to your index, i.e. added to your staging area in Git, and you want to still ignore it on your local developer machine... I was not aware of a way to do that in Git. Normally, in source control systems like SVN, you just don't push it because the, you select the files that you want to push, and then you push them. Um, whereas here, if I want to do, if I want to change branches, say for example, I've changed a configuration file, and that configuration file, because of the nature of the project, has to have individual developer settings in it because it's been designed in a particular way. We we would use environment variables or something like that to say these days, but we can't because this is a legacy project. So these files have been modified. They are required by the build process, so they have to be in the index. They have to be pushed to Git, but we want to ignore them on our local development machine. I've never come across that scenario in Git before since I've been using Git for the last, what I would say, 15 years, however long it's been, maybe 20-odd years. I can't remember when Git came out, but I've been using it for a while now. We're all old. Just just accept it. We're old. (laughs) There is a command you can use, and I'll just put it into chat, and it's called git update-index-assume-unchanged-file. And what that will do is on your local machine, it will ignore that file, and you can use um, dash dash no dash assume dash unchanged file if you want to remove it from this particular setting. And it will stop the file from being pushed and stop it from being added when you use git add or when you use uh, when you try do commits or anything like that it's a really handy tool if you if you need that situation i tend to not design my software like that these days everything in my repository either belongs in the repository or doesn't belong in the repository and configuration well, values are handled in be... lots of different ways anyway. there's always edge cases i know so... i went into detail there but that's but that, that's, that's a new thing really i've learned neat. this week <laughs> nice 
So, Shai, that, have you got anything neat. that you've what learned about, this week? What do you, Shai? What have you learned? Uh, okay, so I recently uh, released an open source uh, library called Observer Spy, which um, in the Angular world, uh, when you want to test observables, basically the only way up until recently you could do it by writing something that is called marble testing, uh, marble tests, okay. uh, which is kind of funky. Uh, so I just uh, borrowed an idea from the Java world uh, and uh, introduced uh, it to JavaScript. Uh, it's called uh, like spying on observer on observables. So it's observer spies. Uh, so I released this, and what I learned is that so I I, I heard about this thing called GitHub Git GitHub uh, Actions, mm -hmm. but I didn't really get into it because I have a life. Uh, and <laughs> And in, so and, we've, uh, got, we've got GitHub actions on our, <laughs> our repository. Oh, sorry, I stepped on the <laughs> compose there. Sorry, I didn't mean. I have, uh, yeah. Uh, it's okay. Go on, go on. You've, okay, you've, you've made your bed now. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, so, uh, but so I, I used to like have a template of like Travis CI like script that you know releases a new version and stuff like that. And a friend told me like, hey, you can do this now with GitHub Actions and you don't really have to worry about Travis and, you know, uh, and that. And my logical self went, well, okay, but I have already the template, you know, and, you know, I don't need to invest the time to learn about the, uh, GitHub Actions. But my crazy, uh, curious developer soul went oh ooh, a nice a new thing you know to learn why not mm -hmm. let's spend a lot of time on that that i don't have <laughs> uh so uh github action can deploy your software without travis that's great and another thing that i learned is uh so i i recently like i told you i started like releasing tools because one like part of my mission is building better testing tools that are not ex exist <laughs> that yep. exist I'll, I'll have a look at that to be fair, because testing observables is a problem in Angular, and uh, and yeah, if that solves so my it, problem, great, I'll use it. Yeah, uh, let me know. Uh, and so uh, what? I, so I started, and I don't have a lot of experience with like uh, you know PRs and stuff like that. I've been doing it for a couple of years, but very small projects, so not a lot of action. Pun intended. Anyway, so. Um, so I learned that for VS Code, they have a, a GitHub extension. Now that they're all the same company, Microsoft and GitHub, they released mm. a GitHub extension, which lets you see all the PRs and issues in your VS Code and just like, you know, decide, okay, I'm working on this PR and we'll create the brand, the Git branch and all that stuff and let you like answer issues in, inside of VS Code, which is super cool. And you know, does the whole merge and uh, or rebase and merge and stuff like that. So that's uh, that's a great uh, extension. So these the are last my, thing we really need is for VS Code to just simply become the operating system, right? Mm. Because you just do pretty much everything in VS. Uh, the PowerShell. <laughs> well, you can you can run PowerShell. Yeah. Through okay. VS Code, you know yeah. why not? I just often do, but I, you can't run anything complicated. <laughs> Try and no, run a six-hour migration script through through PowerShell uh, in the integrated PowerShell console in VS Code does not yeah. work that. Yeah, I usually uh, not when there's yeah. not when there's twenty meg of uh, text output from the uh, from the Ooh. migration script. Not. I usually use Console Z for that. Uh, I, I just <laughs> use PowerShell PowerShell script um, uh, PowerShell mm. core for for running things like that. But 
Yes, it's uh, it's, yeah. it's good, but it's not that good. So you guys are all about code. Mine's a really simple one. I develop develop sites locally on my system. And while I was working, I'm migrating over to Dockerization for everything. And um, I prefer to work with SSL, even locally. And I went in and uh, set up the certs and everything, and I forgot to actually install the root cert on my system. So I had every single possible browser that I've got for testing everything on the front side of what I do uh, yelling at me. And it took me way too long to realize why. And when I did, I basically faced home. Hmm. So if you happen to work with things like OpenSSL or other things like that, make certain that you don't just create the certs, you actually install the root cert. Yeah, because mm -hmm. okay, that's kind of important. <laughs> so that's fine. Very simple, very quick. And I, I um, think if you use CertBot, it does all that for you. CertBot's an extension with uh, OpenSSL. Yeah, but the the particular um, Docker setup and things that I'm using actually has the root go into my stuff. There's some weird things that I, it, I'll explain it another time because I definitely want to do something about it on stream when we go and do stuff. But in my case, it's just I, um, yeah, I kind of forgot the root. And uh, there's nothing like having the browsers go, you know, you've got the site.local. And the cert is for site.local, but it's not valid. And I'm like, I haven't what? seen that before. So, of course, I had to show my husband. I'm like, look at this. And he's just like, that is software gore. And I'm like, yeah, it has to be until you realize it's 100% human error. I, uh, <laughs> I was doing some work with uh, certificates this week. And I have uh, one of the reasons that my uh, the command that I put in, the git command, came up is that one of the config files requires a unique thumbprint from a certificate for authenticating over a web uh, a web interface for a particular service but each developer has to put their own local um, thumbprint in the config file so not only is that a security concern because people can accidentally push that to uh, yeah. to the uh, to the server it's not a major security concern because it's only local um, certs but that means that people have to configure and sign their own certificates and it's a nightmare and it doesn't it isn't necessary it's just misconfigured if you know what i mean so yeah it's a additional small tiny small tiny tiny little problems but yes, yes we have now officially reached the end of our show a massive thank you to everybody in twitch who is watching whether you commented or not for participating and to all of you in the future who are listening to us on the podcast hello oh finally shy a massive 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 thank you to you for joining us i do hope that you have had fun we haven't had a chance to dig in as deep as we've wanted to like i said you have to come back but this is also a chance to pimp anything you want now oh nice so i have a good uh, a food truck business that i wanted to plug. no i have a i have a free workshop about testing that i uh, like open every uh, couple of uh, you know uh, every couple of months or so um it's called the roadmap to angular testing mastery and basically it's relevant for all frameworks, uh, most of the material there. Uh, and it's on testangular.com. So you can go and register and you get a nice surprise in the email, uh, regardless of this uh, free workshop. And uh, that's, yeah, that's if you want to learn more, that's where, where you can find me and, uh, on, and on Twitter. I have to say, you have absolutely demolished the hopes and dreams of Jodaba. They were really excited about that food truck. 
Oh, sorry, Josaba. Sorry. Uh, I will, uh, uh, in the end of the free workshop, you can uh, see the details for my food truck. Have a bag of have... crisps. Yeah. Bring a bag exactly. of crisps. Exactly. Oh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, Chris. Thank you very much uh, for having me, by the way. Absolutely. Oh, I mean, you've absolutely. been a wonderful guest, and uh, I said sorry we didn't get deep into the uh, into the angular side of things, which is where we wanted to go. But unfortunately, sometimes conversations just take that dip. We uh, we end up going in one direction. We still kept it mostly on topic, which is good for us. Yeah, you can uh, you can change the the name of the episode to testing in general, and we can you can record now like the hey, welcome to the episode of testing or just remove the angular part and uh, you'll I'll, be I'll okay. replace my introduction with what you've just said there in post there we go awesome. <laughs> oh, good grief. so yes time for our pimpage you can visit our website on www.dnistream.live you can catch all of our podcasts there everything we've done uh, links to our youtube links to our fireside and um links to all of our uh, podcast episode, uh, podcast discovery platforms as well. Uh, you can also use it to contact us for any reason whatsoever. If you've got a comment, you've got questions, you've got suggestions for uh, any topics, or you even want to be a guest on the show, we shall speak to you and see what you mm -hmm. want to talk about. If you do, we're always open to anybody. Do not worry about that imposter syndrome. Give us a call. We've got a few slots free, and uh, we're, we're always welcome. We always welcome people on the show. We have people who are technical and non-technical, so don't worry too much about that either if you've got a particular subject that you want to talk about. And do not forget to follow our Twitch channel if you haven't already. It is below us that way. There we go. It depends on whether you have it on mobile or you have it on desktop, whether you have it full screen, not full screen, and whether you – there's there's a lot – their UI needs love. And They're thank you for the follow the there. But in all honesty, I shy. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, and lastly, the audio versions of our podcast are available at seven a.m. British time on Monday following the stream, and it'll go out to everything from Spotify to Google Play to Apple Podcasts to uh, the places. <laughs> they're everywhere now we hope to see you all next week live because the participation and conversation is fantastic and it'll be 7 p.m uk time twitch.tv slash dni stream all that is left to do is say goodbye so chris say goodbye goodbye Wait. wow this is my ending <laughs> note I, I was saving it for the goodbye an ending well, note. Wait, oh. wait, weren't you going to sing, Shy? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, did you end the... the... We, no, we we've not gone yet. yet. If you're singing, oh, then get singing. Okay. No, no. If you, oh. if, you, if you want to sing, go right ahead. Yeah, I just want to sing the, the goodbye, okay? So this is the opening note, okay? <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> me saying goodbye have a good one everyone bye see you next week <laughs>